We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Career. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with little Steve Ribeiro for our latest edition of Rams Talk Radio. Hey, folks, I don't know how you're liking the tour around the league, but if you get a chance, leave us some feedback, please. Check us out on Twitter or on our email at ramstalk1945. It would be really great to go ahead and get some information from you as to how you feel about this tour around the league. At least put a lot of effort on our part to uh, get in there and talk to these different teams and the representatives and so on and so forth. So I hope you guys are enjoying and getting just dropping some football knowledge and getting us ready for the 2018 season. So appearing today as part of our tour around the league is David Romeo, um, host of BS and Beer New Orleans Saints podcast. We're going to talk with him about how his team did in the offseason and also how the Saints are going to stack up with the rest of the NFC this year. Also, we have actually, believe it or not, more Rams conversation. We've been dry on that of late. We have some stuff to talk about. But before we even get there, hey, real quick, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. So as we approach Father's Day, check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. 
You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's also available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And don't forget, the book is also available through various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, I've read this book from cover to cover. It's worth every penny for all the Royal Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. So again, trust me, it's worth it. Check it out. Hollywood's Teen Grit, Glamour, and 1950 Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. One more request for you. If you have read the book, please send us an email at RamsTalk1945 and just briefly let us know your thoughts on the book. We enjoyed it. We want to know your thoughts, and hopefully we can pass along some of your best wishes or or maybe not so best wishes along to the author, our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who I think did a great job with the book. Have you read it yet, Steve? I haven't read it yet. I would love to read it, though. You know what? Come on, man. I, I, you know <laughs> You call yourself a diehard. You're, you're focusing too much on the Sixers right now. You're I'm going to have to get my hands in a copy. And we do. You do. We're, we're, we're out. But well, I, I have been. I got to get you a copy from probably – I, I sent one over to Johnny to see if Johnny has his copy. Yeah, you know, I'll definitely take a copy. All right, so before we get on the tube with Dave Romero, let's go ahead and we want to get a little bit of Rams out of the way, okay? And with the Rams, right now we just signed a bunch of free agents, undrafted free agents. It's um, an interesting class. I don't think we're going to go through every name. There were, there were a couple guys that really drew your interest. You want to go ahead and talk about them? Yeah, and these are not really for reasons of you know what they could impact on the field. Undrafted free agents, it's always a crapshoot. You always do end up with some guys that end up producing. It's hard to predict which ones. We got two guys here, though, have really, really interesting backstories. First one is Cody McElroy, tight end at a southeastern Oklahoma State. This guy played he got drafted by the Atlanta Braves in 2014 in the 19th round he spent two years in the Braves minor league system before he walked on to Oklahoma State to play basketball played a year of basketball there then he transferred to southeastern Oklahoma State where he played football only for a year because he only had one year left in his eligibility and so he actually played baseball at three different schools so this guy played for five different colleges in three different sports, which is insane. I mean, the fact that he got signed by the Rams means that he must have flashed something. You know, he's good enough to play three different sports, so he's clearly an athlete. Tight end is a position where basketball players transition. Tight end also not our strongest position right now, so this this guy's got a chance of making the team if, if he shows flashes or at least a practice squad. Well, just for clarification's sake, I just you said he played for five different colleges. Or is there three different colleges and five different teams? So no, he played... he played baseball at a different school his freshman year, his sophomore year, his junior year. Then played in the minor leagues for two years. Okay. Then played basketball at Oklahoma State, and then played football. And he's only twenty five, so I mean, that's a pretty wild twenty five years of your life. And now, now you're going to camp with the Rams. That, that's a heck of a story. Honestly, yeah. It's a pretty good story. It would be interesting to see how he does. Um, who else do you have outlined here? Other guy I got is Luis Perez, a quarterback from Texas A&M Commerce. So this guy didn't play varsity football in high school. And when he started his JUCO career, he was the ninth quarterback on the depth chart. Fast forward a couple years, he threw for 5,000 yards on his Division II team, Texas A&M Commerce. So this guy clearly, if he went from not playing at all to throwing for 5,000 yards in D2, it's D2, yeah, but if for that short of a time span, guy's got some upsides. And if he shows flashes in camp and looks promising, definitely a guy I could see signing the practice squad. Also, backup quarterback not entirely set right now, Obviously, we're going into camp with Sean Mannion, but you never know if he really wows people. You could see him. Be, we, maybe we keep it third quarterback. No, third quarterback, and you have well. You think he can really get there? I'm just sitting. There no, it seems more like a thoughts there. Yeah, it seems more like a practice squad kind of stash for me, especially because we don't need the upside this year, unless Goff is literally out there throwing the ball out of bounds every single play. He's going to play the whole year 
regardless of his performance, unless it's really bad. But no, nah, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be on the team. But if he looks decent in camp in the preseason and decent, like that's it. I would love to have this guy in the practice squad because that is a short turnaround to go from not playing to being one of the best quarterbacks in D2. Is there anybody else besides those two guys that you're really interested in for the Rams making for the free agent list? Those were the two guys, really, that I picked out that um, they had just interesting stories. I think the receivers will be interesting. I think we could use a little bit of depth at the end of the roster. Obviously, Stephen Mitchell Jr. out of USC, he had a pretty interesting story as well. He was at USC for five years, got two degrees. Uh, had his best year of his career last year. Not sure how much upside he has, but you never know. He's in the Coliseum. He's been there. The guy that could potentially shine. It'll be um, Nick Colley, running back out of Kent State. Backup running back is another position that's wide open. So you never know. Undrafted free agents, it's it's always finding a needle in the haystack. We could sit here and predict guys all we want, but really these guys, they didn't. They weren't drafted for a reason. They're not saying they're bad players at all. And the fact that they got signed by the Rams is says a lot about them and the fact that they're good enough to make it onto a preseason roster. But it's hard to talk about these undrafted free agents and say this guy is going to be a guy that makes the team and produces because if that were that predictable, he would have gotten drafted somewhere. Yeah, but sometimes players slip through the cracks. And that's what to totally. go. And that happens do. all the time. Yeah, I mean, the Rams went and got to gray scales. Linebacker out of Indiana, he's on that list too. Our friends over at Downtown Rams, Jake Elmbogen, is real high on him. They had him on the show, uh, did a lot of scouting for him. And Jake's a pretty solid scout at this point. I would agree, looking at him being a Big Ten guy, that uh, the guy for me to watch, especially since the Rams have issues right now, or I won't say issues, but concerns at linebacker to gray scales, might be the guy to step in and eventually even earn a starting spot. I kid you not, a starting spot on that team. So we'll see. And it's a shout-out to Jake over there at Downtown Rands for doing the, doing the hard labor on looking him up and getting to know him and so on and so forth. All right, so before we talk with our guests, and our, I'm pretty excited about our guests, actually. Anytime you have a, a, a podcast name, BS and Beer, you know it's going to be a good time. So, But before we, we talk with him, we got to give a shout-out to our sponsor. You want to run this time? You want, you want to talk about our sponsor? Yeah, I can talk it. about our sponsor. It's one I'm familiar with. The Golden Ram Barbershop down there, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Hosted by our man Sal Martinez. He's the barber there. He opened his shop the day the Rams left for St. Louis, and he kept the lights on ever since. And now that they're home, that's the guy you want to go talk Rams football with. He's available by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK. Tell him we sent you. You have a good conversation. You can talk about us and get your haircut. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. And Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's the Golden Ram Barbershop. Once again, give Sal a call, 714-894-7267. A bit to do shop is worth it. Just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. And, of course, enjoy an old-school barbershop experience. And just talk some Rams football with Sal. Trust me, guys, it's not an experience that you would regret. It's the Golden Ram Barbershop. And one thing about that too, I, 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 it seems a little weird that you'd be advertising a barbershop, but any guy I know that really looks at today's modern world and thinks, okay, you know, I want to go to a hairstylist today. Who, who thinks that? I mean, you, you have a chance to go there and actually have the old school barbershop experience where you're talking football, talking sports. It, you know, that's a pretty neat thing to have, and it's rare now. Those those days are are almost done. He's a holdover, and Sal actually thrives as a holdover. So. I mean, get a chance to visit with him, please. It's a good, ch- it's a good chance, and you're supporting, you're supporting, quote unquote, the Ramley, the, the, the Ramley, yeah, the Ramley barbershop. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you gotta love a good barbershop, and well, uh, yeah, as relevant ever today, Nick Saban and LeBron James are feuding over barbershop TV shows. So, oh. take that as you will. Oh lordy! All right, so our next guest is Daniel Romero, the host of the BS and Beer, New Orleans Saints football podcast. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Man, thank you guys for having us. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I was looking forward to this. Actually, it's something that I thought about doing many times in the past, but uh, it's just hard to find guys. So so you kind of, 
uh, this is kind of an interview. I'm, I want to see how you guys are doing so that whenever I put my podcast on Sports Talk 97.7 in Louisiana, see if you guys can come on the show and talk some Rams with us next time we play. Oh, uh, absolutely, man. We, and we, we, uh, this has been an experiment for us. We're trying to find, you know, you, you're trying to get people involved, the team year-round. This is a whole point of a podcast. And the idea was, you know, we have some downtime coming up between after the draft and the July. So let's go talk to these teams. Maybe make some connections. Maybe get to know some of the other, other folks out there and just talk football. And i got to tell you what, it's been fun getting to know who the Rams are going to play in and, and other teams too. We haven't really got much into the other teams that the Rams aren't playing this year. But it's been fun really getting into people's brains and getting to – the ideas of how each team did in their draft and so on. The things we're going to pick your brain about here in a moment. And Absolutely, man, that been, perspective. Yeah, it's it's good. It, it drops knowledge on people, you know, for us, our, our fan base out there in Los Angeles. And, you know, they don't know much about the Saints. They don't. And the Saints fans probably don't, don't know as much about the Rams. So this is an opportunity for us to help people get to know more about the game and the league and the teams we're going to be looking at down the road. Absolutely. So hey, um, right away – because this was a story that we saw here. <laughs> we were we, here at Rams Talk. We were pretty critical of the Saints' decision to, to give up a first-round pick this year, next year, to move up for Marcus Davenport. So what really sold them on going to get Davenport when they did? Well, here's the thing. It, it, it was, the Saints were in a situation where, for years, years, the Saints are trying to get a defensive end to match up with Cam Jordan. And quite frankly, we just haven't been able to do it. We were either no player available that was of a value where we were drafting, or there were times where the Saints were rumored and, and the rumor mill spinning and they were going to try to get different guys like Ingram, Melvin Ingram. Next thing you know, uh, they, get, they get franchised or they get signed, and there's just no quality defensive ends. And when you start looking at the grand scheme of things, uh, defensive end, more quarterbacks, I'm talking about high-level quarterbacks, hit the market than defensive ends do. It's just one of those positions, you know, cornerback, quarterback, defensive end, left tackle. Those guys just don't hit the market. So I believe the Saints got in a position where, th- I hate to use the word desperate, but they just look at it and they say they have a stacked roster. Uh, we don't have a ton of holes. And that was the one glaring need that the Saints needed to fill to go uh, across from Cam Jordan to be able to put pressure on quarterbacks because it was the one thing that we would just we it was a challenge for us last year to to be able to force pressure on the quarterback. Yes, and sometimes you know if you got to give up one first round pick with you guys, it'll probably be a late first round pick. If he ends up producing, it'll probably work in the long run. Uh, keeping it in line with the draft, obviously, your guys' draft last season had huge implications on the regular season, really helped you guys turn it around, get back to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. How would you grade this year's draft? And what were what do you think the best picks were? And if any, were there any picks that you scratch your head about? Well, here's the thing. Relative to last year, we had such an amazing draft. And, and, and anything that you, you, you match up relative to last year, we were picking our second player in the draft this year the Saints had already picked five players last year. We had two first-round draft picks. We had a second-round draft pick. We had three third-round draft picks. So by the time we went in, picked up our, our receiver, Smith, uh, we had already had five players picked last year. So it, it's really hard to look at this year's draft and get super excited about it relative to last year, and not to mention we know the results of last year. So when you look at this year, Davenport obviously – He's a guy that if he pans out and and you hope with his athleticism, I mean, I know there's a lot of things. He comes from a small school, but with his athleticism, his size, if he can come through, he would be the piece that the Saints have been missing on defense. Uh, other than him, we filled spots, and, and, and here's the problem. And I, I find it ironic that a Saints podcast talking to a Rams podcast when and you mentioned it earlier, you don't know that much about the other teams and you listen to the Saints' perspective – it, it, it sounds, you know, uh, black and gold glasses. You know, there's lots of everything's great. All the spots are filled, and and that's how it feels in the off season. But the Saints don't have a lot of holes, a lot of places where a player could come in and be drafted, and start. So what the Saints are doing is they're filling in positions, uh, special teams positions, backup positions, specific role players, finding guys who have 
just that trait that you're looking for, man. He's a speed guy or he's a guy that might play well in a slot. And if he can play special teams and he can play in a slot, then we can find uh, we can find a spot for him on the roster. But uh, Traquan Smith is a guy who's a receiver. If I would have said, aside from defensive end, what I would like to see the Saints do, it's offensive skill positions this offseason. The Saints have historically had amazing offenses that were extremely productive. Last year, we start running the ball more often. Now, I'm not saying that that wasn't part of a plan, but I would also say that the Saints didn't have the skill players in, on the perimeter, the outside receivers, tight end, to run as an effective offense as the Saints have ran in the past. So uh, he's a guy that can help. Uh, we also, uh, Cameron uh, Meredith, who's a guy we signed as a restricted free agent from the Bears. Uh, these are guys who are going to help the Saints in the passing game and, and make that, when you match it up with the running game that we had last year, it's going to be difficult to defend. So thinking of your passing game, and this is where I admit I was really the one who was, who was very critical of the decision to move up and get Marcus to Davenport. I understand your perspective on it, and there's no, there's no, um, there's a really a clear-cut answer overall when you're trying to find a defensive in that piece. But I was thinking in lines of Drew Brees is darn near ancient at this point. And at some point here, the Saints have to start thinking about the future. Well, then you trade this year's first, you trade next year's first. Those picks are are, are needed sometimes. They, they're your capital to go get that quarterback when you need it. Well, then that capital is gone. So what are the Saints thinking concerning their future at quarterback concerning Drew Brees and his, his, his protege or whoever comes after him? Well, you know what? You, listen, you and I have the same thinking hat on because that's the, that's the question I brought up all offseason. And when the Saints traded away the first round, I'm just basically repeating what you said. It was a question of whether the Saints would go ahead and make the move if the opportunity presented itself to get his heir apparent. The, the, and and I, I can't sit here and tell you I know what was going through the Saints' head, but I believe the Saints, if, if it, whether it was by intention or maybe the right guy didn't fall to them or they weren't uh, smitten. You know, Sean Payton wasn't very flattering with the things that he said about the uh, quarterbacks in this year's draft. So uh, was it a smokescreen? You never know with these guys. But having said that, yes, it was a consideration. Uh, if the Saints... They're married to Drew, they're married to Drew Brees now for the next two years, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's still a highly productive guy. But what this does do, it puts you in a position where, if if we do have two good solid years, you're going to be picking high. It almost locks in that the Saints will probably have a couple of lean years when Drew Brees is done. Yeah, and speaking of uh, offenses, last year when we played, there was two offenses that I saw the Saints roll out. There was the one that was on the field for almost every play, and then there was the one where Alvin Kamara got the ball. And it seemed like every time this guy touched the ball, we just got torched. And I know we weren't the only team that happened to. So with Mark Ingram getting suspended for the first four games, do you think that Kamara will be capable of carrying the load as the full-time feature back? Uh, Do you even think that he's going to get the opportunity to get this full-time carry and kind of take all of Ingram's carries as well? Or do you think that with him out, they're going to kind of throw somebody else into the mix to take some of the carries so Kamara doesn't have to do all that work? Well, here's the thing. Alvin Kamara, first of all, he's not he's not a small guy. You know, he's 215, 217 pounds. So it, it, there's nothing to be said that he couldn't take a little bit more of a workload. But having said that, uh, I don't know if the Saints would want to. Matter of fact, Sean Payton said – that the Saints would be foolish if they would just basically give Ingram's workload to Kamara. And and I agree with that. At some point, he's too talented a player to just give him every aspect of the offense. Uh, one of the things, going back to the draft and tying this in, another position I thought the Saints needed, Mark Ingram in the past has been, I hate to say injury prone, but he's been prone to getting banged up, missing a few games here and a few games there, which you know is the case when you take the pounding that running backs do. But ironically, especially the Saints had to have known that this was coming down the pipe. These aren't things that just get dropped on teams. They know in advance. And the Saints must feel comfortable with some of the guys they have because, quite frankly, I'm not. We have a guy like Daniel Lasco who's in his – he'll be going into his third year. I like his talent. I like his athleticism. In college, he wasn't able to stay healthy. In New Orleans, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, I think that, you know, we have a guy, Trey Edmonds. He played well in backup role. 
I, I honestly, I could look up and down our roster, and I, I'm not particularly comfortable. Tonight on our radio show, we talked about running backs, and we talked about a- Adrian Peterson made a, a comment about he would be open to returning to the Saints. Now, I'm not saying I'm open to that. I was just pointing out the news that broke. And so it opened up a discussion about what are we going to do for the first four games, and hopefully that, that suspension will get reduced. Uh, but until that uh, comes about, we have to figure out what we're going to do for four games. Alvin Kamara, definitely get a bigger load. Having said that, I would not, if I personally making the decision, and it sounds like Sean Payton would agree, uh, they're not just going to hand the ball to Alvin Kamara you know, 30 times a game and, and then throw the ball to him as well. So uh, one of these guys is going to have to step up. Yeah, I'm with you as as someone that really thinks Kamara is a stud. I think the less carries he has to a degree, probably the better for him. But let's let's say hypothetically that they do increase Kamara's workload a bit and somebody does step up kind of not to the level that Ingram is, but just as a backup role. So let's say Kamara proves that he can get the ball more than last year and that somebody else is there to spell him. Do you think that there's a chance that upon Ingram's return that they would kind of just really tone down his role in the offense or maybe even consider moving on from him? I I would think not. Now, Mark Ingram is in the final year of his contract, uh, so I'm sure that would be somewhat of a factor. But having said that, the Saints have always been a running back committee uh, team under Sean Payton, so I wouldn't expect that to change. Now, obviously, I just mentioned that I don't feel our depth is very strong after our two starters. Uh, I I don't see that uh, that – that the Saints would really reduce Mark Ingram, Ingram's role when he gets back. I think that th- they will always have a place for two guys to be productive and get touches because both of them, Mark Ingram, can catch the ball, obviously not on the same level as Kamara, but he can catch the ball. He's a good all-around back, a pro bowler, and quite frankly, uh, and on a very reasonable contract too, I, I just can't imagine that they'll phase him out of the offense, especially when there's no one really behind him that I would consider someone that would be able to push him. Now, you, you talk about the running game, and then there's the offensive line itself. Zach Streif retires. Have, how have the Saints gone about you know, filling that hole, and how is the offensive line looking overall this year? Well, okay, our offensive line, uh, obviously, uh, and again, sometimes I feel a little bit silly because, uh, listen, I, uh, aside from being a podcaster, I do a radio show, I'm a fan at heart. Um, the Saints' offensive line is outstanding, probably – I don't know, one of the top five or six offensive lines in the entire NFL. Uh, Last year, Zach Streif, while he was a good, solid offensive lineman, he went out with a knee injury early in the season, if I'm not mistaken, maybe game two or game three. The Saints, part of that outstanding draft class, drafted a guy named Ryan Ramchek uh, out of Wisconsin. He was, a, uh, I think, the last pick of the draft in the first round. I'm sorry, last pick in the first round, not last pick of the draft. Uh, and started at right tackle the entire season and had an outstanding year. And there's no reason to believe that he won't uh, not only build on that, but but improve the right tackle position. So uh, we we do have some issues with our left tackle, who is Teron Armstead. He's he's an outstanding athlete. Uh, the, the guy broke records at the combine. I think at 300 and something pounds, he ran like a four eight forty. It was amazing. Problem is with those quick twitch guys, you get a lot of injuries. So he's constantly over the last two or three years, he's just missed games. He's 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 never been completely out for the season, but it's always a two or three game stretch with soft tissue injuries. Um, so he's the guy that I'm more concerned about on the offensive line than I am at right tackle. I think right tackle is locked down for the next uh, foreseeable future. I, I, it used to be you say for the next 10 or 12 years, but in the free agency period of uh, of, of professional football, nobody's around that long very much anymore. Yeah, speaking of people who have been around for a long time, <laughs> Sean Payton is entering his 13th season with the team. That's tied with Mike McCarthy for the third longest tenured coach in the league behind Marvin Lewis, who seemingly will never get fired, and Bill Belichick. <laughs> uh, barring like a complete and utter collapse, um, is there any signs that this partnership would come to an end no, anytime uh, soon? No, last year, first of all, uh, Sean Payton had a break for a year. So, you know, it's like, yeah, he might right. be the longest tenured coach, but uh, he had a little time to take off and be with his kids and do that thing. I actually justified that in my head during the suspension that when he came back, it's kind of like, you know, you take some time off, recharge your batteries, you know, you come back hungry, you get a different perspective. 
But uh, last year, the rumors were floating around in the year prior to that. Uh, will Sean Payton be back? Uh, there was some flirting with Indianapolis. Uh, there, you know, so it's it's it, there were things going on. Where there's smoke, there's some fire. After what we saw with this roster, with uh, the draft class of last year, with the production on the field, uh, I, and not to mention, uh, I just realized a whole different aspect: the, the passing of the owner, Tom Benson. Now, Tom Benson has has left the team to his wife, but. Not to take anything away from her, but it seems like non-family members uh, of the staff, the Saints general manager, Mickey Loomis, these guys, they have an uh, a unusual relationship. And now even more so, I think they're locked in unlike, I, 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 I mean, I just don't really understand even how someone can own a franchise or a business like that, pass away, and these employees, not only do they not feel job security, but they're empowered uh, to, to run the team. So the, the idea that not only Sean Payton, but anybody else would go anywhere uh, at this point is, is really, really hard to believe. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think last season cemented that. I think that little three-year lull they had, if it didn't go as well as it did last year, maybe. But I think last year went well. And sometimes coaches, they're good coaches, but it runs a course like Absolutely. Andy Philadelphia. The message but- gets lost. Yeah, I don't think this is the case either. I think that last season kind of cemented that he's not losing the locker room anytime soon. Well, another thing, too, I want to ask you about, and I, I really want your perspective here. We, we picked up a guy via trade by the name of Brandon Cooks this offseason. Huh, forgot okay. about that. Well, we haven't, and we, ha- we know <laughs> that there were some issues on his way out of New Orleans to New England with Michael Thomas. There was some shade thrown on Twitter. And so help us out. Why did the Saints trade Brandon Cooks to begin with? And what was the deal with him and Michael Thomas? Okay. First of all, as far as being a productive player, uh, Brandon Cooks is an outstanding player. So I would not be concerned at all about trading away uh, picks or, or to get this guy on your team. He's a good player, and he's actually a very hard worker, he, he does have, which nowadays uh, is probably more common than, especially a wide receiver for whatever reason. The, these guys just have this, if, you know, closed mouths don't get fed kind of situation. Uh, and, and I think Brandon Cooks was the big dog at receiver for the Saints. And then when Michael Thomas came over, as his rookie year progressed, he started getting a bigger and bigger workload. And now, again, this is my speculation, but based on an educated guess and things that I've heard from people that I talk to, is it got to the point where Brandon Cooks just, you know, a little animosity was built because he was losing his grip on the number one per se receiver. But having said that, part of the reason, and I'll segue into why the Saints traded him, had more to do with the fact that he just simply doesn't fit the Saints offense. Now, Brandon Cooks is a speed guy. Drew Brees, of all the great things you could say about Drew Brees, he has never had a strong arm. And when I watch some teams like, let's just say, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, where he runs around, he shakes off a couple of tackles, and then he just throws the ball 40, I mean 40, 60, 70 yards down the field to receivers. That wouldn't work in the Saints offense. It's all about timing and precision. The Saints need, you have to have speed to, to take the top off the defense. You have to have speed to open things up. Having said that, the Saints need big receivers, guys who can catch contested balls and in traffic. Brandon Cooks, that is not what he really, that's not his strong suit. He has good hands, but he's, you know, his diminutive size, he's not going to really go up and get a bunch of balls in traffic and, and, and things like that. So uh, to put any Rams fans mind at ease, I, I can't speak for New England, but the reason he left New Orleans had much less to do with issues, uh, personality issues, and much more to do with it was obvious the writing was on the wall that Michael Thomas was taking over that spot and the Saints wanted to go in a different direction. And yeah, with, and I – go ahead, Derek. And with, you know, with Cooks being the speed guy, the Rams, when they lost Watkins, not that they really ever had Watkins. We don't really know. <laughs> Watkins was kind of a – he never really built that relationship with Goff that we thought he would or should. And so they needed a speed guy. So, so Cooks seems like he's going to fit that – hole on the Rams roster they need to open things up across the board in the offense. That's what we're hoping for anyways. Yeah, uh, and listen, he will. He's a speed guy. He'll open things up, uh, no doubt about it. 
if I'm going to give you my negatives on Brandon Cooks, he's not a wiggle guy. He's a uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, if I remember his name, I think you guys just trained him to Austin. Um, uh, you know, Austin. Yeah. Tim, he, he's more of a guy that you give the ball in space and he, you know, makes a move this and shakes it that way. And then, you know, and he picks up yardage, uh, for whatever skills Brandon cooks has elusiveness is not one of them. And, and the saints, when we drafted him, we thought, Oh man, this is a different direction for that satellite back that the saints have always had. And when we lost Darren Sproles, it's like, Oh, now we'll just, instead of running, running back screens, we'll run wide receiver screens. And the saints did try that. And I mean, this he's just not his skill set to be elusive or to catch balls in traffic and uh, the the wide receiver the bubble screen the tunnel screens not not his game. So kind of to bring this all back to expectations, how do you think the Saints stack up compared to the rest of the NFC South? Obviously, I would say they're the favorite right now after last season. Anyone that concerns you there, and then looking bigger picture, do you think they can compete? for a title in the NFC with the other contenders like the Eagles, Rams, and Vikings? Well, it's funny that you say that because, quite frankly, uh, uh, and, and it, it, if, I, if I understood you correctly, you're saying, hey, man, the Saints are contenders. Um, when I'm sitting over here from the Saints' perspective, I'm watching the Vikings get better. I'm watching you guys. Uh, the Rams are just some uh, – I mean, just pull the top off of it in free agency. Um then, then even uh, well, the Eagles, except all the guys that they traded for, went to jail. Other than that, <laughs> you know, you would, you know, they the, they seem to have improved. Um, and and I look at the Saints and and their their preseason. Matter of fact, Dominican Sue just comes to my mind on guys that the Saints pursued and didn't get, including Jimmy Graham, which to me one of the biggest weaknesses in our offense was our inability when we've consistently in the past been in the top five in, in, in third down conversions. Now we slipped and it's the loss of not having a productive tight end. We almost got Jimmy Graham. That didn't happen. Well, then you get Sue and, and things didn't work out there. Uh, and so, you know, and I'm watching all these other guys and it seems like while the saints weren't ahead of them, I thought the saints were a notch below. And, and when I say a notch, I'm talking about, uh, if, 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 if you guys are nine, we're like, it depends on who's playing the home game. Maybe that's the best way to say it. The Rams playing at home, I give them the advantage. Saints playing at home, I give the Saints the advantage. Uh, but you guys, man, I tell you what, uh, as a Saints fan, if I take my broadcaster hat off and put my, my, my fan hat on, man, the only thing I'm hoping is that the same thing that happened to the Eagles and the Washington Redskins in the past is just the locker room just doesn't get along and i mean because you guys it's just unbelievable what you've done uh cornerbacks a defensive tackle um you know trading for brandon cooks and 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 i haven't even obviously i haven't even paid attention to what you guys did in the draft so if you pick up a player a couple of players there i mean you guys are going to be very difficult to beat and i know the question wasn't how are the rams going to do it's to how the saints are going to do but I, I couldn't help but throwing that in there right so the saints i think they filled a lot of holes I think that they are, I, I mean, especially after the way that they played towards the end of the season, the Saints' biggest improvements aren't going to come from free agent signings. They're not going to come from the draft picks this year. They're going to come from our second and third year players. We've had two amazing drafts the last two years. Uh, and, and if I go down the list, I don't want to put you to sleep, especially Ram fans who probably wouldn't really know who <laughs> these guys are. But we have some players now. Everybody talks about uh, uh, Kamara and, and Lattimore, but the Saints, uh, if you remember Williams, who gave up the touchdown in, in uh, the Vikings game in the playoffs, uh, I mean, the guy was amazing the entire season. I mean, he played at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, not just my opinion, it's stuff I read, uh, uh, professionals that I work with that know. Um, and so the, the Saints are going to improve, but it's not really going to come from uh, Davenport, who they drafted in the first round. It's definitely not going to come from a guy like Benjamin Watson, who they signed in the offseason. Uh, it's going to come from the second-year players and third-year players taking that big leap that generally happens to good players uh, in the NFL and all teams. So uh, if the Saints are going to catch up with the Rams, if the Saints are going to catch up with Minnesota, it's going to come from those guys. So uh, where does that put them? Uh, I wish I could tell you. If if this was a Saints show, I would tell you it's going to put us over the top. But if I'm being realistic, which I try to do and 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 try not to be biased, uh, in, in sharing my information, my insight, and my thoughts, I would say that, uh, uh, you know, some things are going to have to go our way. It, 
to, to be able to keep up with what the Rams did and some things would have to not go your way. So it's going to be interesting. And the other thing is uh, looking at your division uh, relative to the Saints division. I mean, the Saints have to play, you know, six tough games a year, uh, you know, with the fall off of Seattle. Uh, I don't think that uh, Arizona is going to be that good. 49ers look to be much improved, but I don't think you're going to have as hard a battle getting through your division to the playoffs. So all in all, I think, yeah, the Saints are absolutely a contender. They're going to have a, a, a fight, a very a uphill battle to get there. All right. So let's get one solid prediction out of you, though. Okay. We, we went big picture here, you, you, but we didn't get one one small thing. Do they, Too win, much. The, do they win the NFC South? Oh, yeah, yeah. They win the NFC South. I, and, and I'm not saying that from uh, as a fan or homer. Uh, the Saints match up the, with uh, – with with Carolina, Carolina doesn't match up with the Saints. The Saints will beat Carolina. That I'm not worried about. The team Atlanta. I I, I go back. I watch uh, I, I, again. I don't want to get into the details because I don't want to bore your audience. Um, but the Saints are a much better team than Atlanta. Atlanta has its moments. I can go into the coaching changes. I can go into the personnel changes. Uh, the team that I, I, man, I've been saying this for years. If if Tampa Bay could ever get Winston to get his head on straight. That is a, a team that can beat some, some other teams. It's a team that can win games, but until Jamison matures and golly, like he's not the first young guy to be immature. If he develops, there'll be a tough team. Having said all that, I, I, I expect the saints to win the NFC South. Um, and, and I think that they'll, 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 they'll be a oh, man. It's just all you guys, uh, did so well in the offseason it's it's hard to predict but yeah absolutely win the fc south how's about how's that for a rock solid lead pipe lock <laughs> there we i go. like it that's what we wanted to hear all right dave we want to thank you so much for coming on this show folks you can follow him on twitter at saints bs you can also check out his podcast bs and beer dot podbean dot com you been you check him out if you're in the air rolling through on fox sports Radio 97.7 well worth the listen you got a chance to check them out Go check out the show. We're always about spreading the football knowledge, and, and David definitely dropped some on us today. Thanks so much for coming on the show, David. No, I had Thanks, a good David. time with you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Well, we, hey, we, hey, by the way, can you come back on again come this uh, this fall? Man, if you want to talk football, I'm always available. Uh, then you Love know it. what? We're going to make that happen because we got a big game coming up this year with you guys. and so Ab- Absolutely. Yeah. In the Dome this year. In the, it is in the Dome. So you That's were just right. saying you, you favor the Saints in the Dome. Well, let's – Let's we'll see up. how we'll see how I feel the week before yeah. the game if, we, if we're favored. So, <laughs> and I, w- I won't bring up 1989 and Flip Anderson game or anything like that. <laughs> oh yeah, please don't. <laughs> yeah, you guys, are, I, I, I could tell by your voice, you're way too young to actually remember that. Somebody must have told you about it. I do. I was. I don't. I do. Well, yeah, because I think Steve was probably not even conceived yet, but I was. <laughs> okay, I was around. I was watching Sunday Night Football, and that was a night Henry Ellard was out with a hamstring injury. The Rams were on thin ice at that point in the year because they lost five. Uh, I think it was four in a row at one point, and now they're they're kind of are they going to make the playoffs? Or not going to make the playoffs? What's going to happen? The Saints were playing well. They go down the dome. Jim Everett locks on with Flipper Anderson for three hundred and thirty six yards, and they came back. Many people don't realize that they came back from two, two touchdowns. Two I can't get the word out. Two touchdowns down to win that game. And I'm this 11 year old kid going, yeah, jumping on the couch. My mom's throwing things at me, you know, and you know. But that's that's actually my biggest memory of the Rams and Saints. I I have a uh, I, I, there's a podcast in in uh, it's uh, Saints UK, so they're in 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 uh, in Europe, and they came on the show and, or they brought me on the show and they started asking me about things and memories of Saints games and the one that I remember if we're talking Rams here. Um, uh, we is it Lansford? If if my memory serves me right, the Saints needed to win one more game, and they would make the playoffs for the first time. And this had to be back in the mid '80s. And uh, and he came on and kicked the game-winning field goal. The Saints lost and didn't go to the playoffs. But that was like your that was my traumatic memory <laughs> of and and it involved the the Rams. Well, and it, for me, it was. When it comes to the Saints, it was in 2000. It was the year after the Rams won the Super Bowl, and their backs were against the wall. Aaron Brooks beat the Rams earlier in the year. 
It comes down to the end of the season. The Rams go to New Orleans. They beat the Saints to make the playoffs and then play the Saints the following week. Then the two teams go at the following week. Kurt Warner hurts his thumb, which he had problems with, mm-hmm. problems with throughout his career, and the Saints win. And that ah. was and that was the year after. Now the Rams couldn't stop anybody that year, but that was a fun game. That was a fun series of games to watch right. between the Saints and the Rams that season. That's well, what I remember. Uh, how about how about Hakeem drops the ball? Oh gosh! Yeah, yeah I just you, you bring back memories, man. I'm thinking about these things. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was a lot of good memories. You know, the Rams and the Saints used to be in the same division, and it it was a lot of battles back in the day, man. So it's a lot of stuff, uh, memories, thoughts, and uh, all kinds of. Uh, you know, Saints weren't that good, but at the end of the day, it's still a lot of memories, especially from a you know lifelong Saints follower. It's a lot of history, and I think sometimes when we get so stuck in the here and the now, we forget that there's much more to the story. It's like we're still writing this book about each franchise, and each franchise has had their gains with other teams. And the Saints are one of those teams the Rams have had quite a history with. Yeah, man. I know I'm young, but when I started liking the Rams when I was like seven, I thought the Saints were our biggest rival. And then they broke us up, and it kind of ended. Well, and and I I agree with you. They they were, it seemed to me, and that's how I recall it. Well, yeah. From 2000, well, from 2002, probably, I want to say 2003, that's a good argument to make. Definitely. Those Aaron Brooks years, I remember, uh-huh. that we lost in the playoffs, I think, in 2000. And also, 88 and 89, there were some great, great fights between the Rams and the Saints. And, uh, you know, when expansion kind of changed all that a bit. But I still have those memories of that division, the NFC West, with the 49ers, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Rams. Yeah, unlikely group of teams uh, for the NFC West. You <laughs> yeah, know, no so, kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, okay, now we'll, we'll sign you off before we, we start getting more in, in depth. Dave, uh, again, this year, we're co- we'll have you back on the show, and we'll, 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 they got some more history, I think. Okay, man, I'll, I'll be a little bit more prepared next time. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a good time, man. All right, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming. All right, so again, that was it, Romero from the BS and Beer Saints show. The Saints podcast is also on Fox Sports Radio 97.7. Man, I love that interview. That was a good interview. That was Lots fun. Of good information there. So you definitely got to have David back on the show, or hopefully he'll let us back on his show. He'll let us on his show, man. I'll go there and talk some football there. Anytime I can talk football. So what are your thoughts now on the Saints? I'm, I'm pretty high on them. I, I should have asked him. I forgot really kind of. There was a point last year when I was talking to a guy, a Saints Wire, um, Drummond. Was his name Drummond? JD? Um, and he told us he really felt that Drew Brees had lost some zip on his ball. Now, that could cause some problems later on. I'm wondering really how far Drew Brees can take them. And he mentioned it in the interview, relying more on the running game. He doesn't have that strong arm that other quarterbacks do. And so I'm wondering if in the end it's – of all things, could it be Drew Brees' arm that holds him back? Well, I think Drew Brees is he's a smart guy, and he doesn't strike me as a guy where if he has a physical limitation, he's just going to try and push it until he can't do it anymore. I think he's the kind of quarterback where he will adapt his game to play to his strengths and the team's strengths, whereas if, if he doesn't really have that zip on the ball, he's not going to be throwing maybe the same passes he used to take. And I do think that... It could hurt them a little bit, him having a little bit of regression. But nothing I saw last year makes me think that he's going to have a Peyton Manning-type ball off. And even if he's not the same quarterback he was in his prime, I don't think he's going to hold this team back. And I think they will rely on the run more, especially when Ingram comes back. Or you never know. I really like Kamara, and I think there is a a chance, albeit small, that he ends up becoming a three-down back down there and really taking over. I mean, he— destroyed us last year oh, yeah, i think yeah. that if, <laughs> if they gave him the ball every play i i don't think we would have stopped him but yeah brutal. like yeah. yeah every time he touched the ball they got yards and every time he didn't our defense was just killing him all right so steve make the call what's what's their record next year i think they won 11 and 5 i think i have to look at their schedule but i would lean towards 12 and 4 That's, maybe yeah. 11 and 5 again that range but i think they're gonna win their division but i do think if we ranked the four division winners from last year, I think they would be fourth, not by a wide margin, but I think they would be fourth. 
I'm going to go 12 and four. And really, honestly, and for all the fans out there, I'm not being critical of the Rams. I think the talent is there on the paper, on paper for the Rams to to be the best in the in the the league. But we have no idea yet how those Eagles are going to work. This is going to be a great year for the Rams. We're talking beautiful, one of the best records the teams have had in years. Or this could be a crash and burn year. We have no idea how the Eagles are going to go. On paper, one of the best in the league. So I don't want to just say the Saints are fourth. And also, you know, the Eagles are loaded, but you know it's harder to win back to back. It's harder when you got a target on your back. You know, and then there's the Vikings. Are the Vikings as good as they were last year? Was it was or they a fluke? What kind of team they're really going to be? So I, I'm hesitant to say that the fourth team there. I look at the, the Saints' defense. I look at their corners. I look at their secondary. I look at what they have, and I like a lot of what I see. And that makes me think that twelve and four, maybe thirteen and three. I think their division's so tough. They're, they're, I mean, they'll probably will drop one. The Falcons. They'll probably will drop one to either the cold, not the Colts, the the Panthers or the or the Bucks. So I I just see that as a is. I just I know I'm not being decisive here. I, I I'm hesitant to just say hey. Fourth on that list. Yeah, and it's too a close many question gap. marks. No, it's a totally a close gap, and I think I, I think I'm higher on the Vikings than you. I I really like them. I'm not huge on Kirk Cousins, but he is an upgrade over Case Keenum, and they kept most of the team together. The Eagles saying that they'll fall off is is reasonable, but. We can't not have them ranked number one right now. They didn't get worse, and they won the Super Bowl last year, and they're going to get Carson back. So the drive might not be there as much as it was last year, but we can't not rank them first. And yeah, obviously, cool. yeah. It's and obviously, I'm high in the same tangibles, right? It's, I'm, all I'm thinking about is I'm not thinking strictly, hey, X and O's. I'm thinking intangibles. What are these teams intangibles right now? And for the Rams, there's a lot of question marks. The Saints, I think they're pretty settled. We know what they are, and they're very good. Um, the Vikings, I wonder a bit how Kirk Cuddles will fit. I also wonder about the, ver- the off-topic here. I wonder about the Vikings long-term with that guaranteed deal, man. That's a scary guaranteed deal. And then, yeah, of course, the Eagles. No, you, you know, the intangibles there, and, you know, that that aspect of now you got to defend your title. You don't exactly know how it'll fit when Wentz comes back and you had the guy who led you to a Super Bowl still there. How that's going to work? It should work fine, but you just don't know because it's a personality business, and that's why I'm just hesitant to say fourth. I'm just going to the record and say twelve and four, division winners, possibly um, a buy, and we'll see who's we'll see. I, I really like the Saints though. Yeah, the gap between those four teams is thin, and the thing about football is you only got to win one game in the, in a playoffs to advance. The best teams don't always win. And I think any of those four teams can beat each other in the playoffs. And obviously, even beyond those four teams, there's wild cards yeah. like the Packers with Rodgers and yeah. you well, know, teams that can make the leap like the Niners. You never know. But I think those are the clear top four. And however you want to order them, I'm not. I'm well, how, not about this? how about this? Let me, throw a, let me throw a hot take at you. Okay? Here's my hot take. Any one of those four teams can win the Super Bowl next year. And I think all four of those teams are better than what the AFC has to offer. How's that? I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think it's tough for me not to put the Patriots on the same tier. I do, but if you're going to say they're fifth out of those teams, I mean, well, I don't think I it's do. that hot of a take. Look at there's there's cracks in the Patriots' armor. We're going to talk about that when we have them on the show. But there's cracks there. There's some issues there, and so that makes me think that you know, I I, I honestly think that any one of those four teams will beat the Patriots. I really do. I don't. I don't like what's going on in England right now. No, I I get it. But if they're in the Super Bowl, it's hard to bet against Brady. And it I is. mean, look, it yeah. is. But you know what? We don't know if this they're going to la- get there. Look what happened that last Super Bowl. Brady. Well, the, the Eagles played. <laughs> yeah, well, the Eagles did a perfect game. Well, I wouldn't say when you give up thirty three points, I wouldn't say perfect, but pretty yeah, darn good game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Offensively, yeah. they they scored basically every time. All right, so. Our last sponsor here, and then I think it's almost time for. We were going to talk about Steve's. Uh, Steve wrote an article a little while a little while ago, and we never really got to. I think we'll save it for Thursday night. But I we want to talk about the Rams bandwagon. 
the Rams bandwagon. So we'll save that. that. We'll save it for Thursday. But you know, we do want to throw our shout out to our sponsor, our sponsor, um, Jayhawk Pools. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Modeling. It's summertime, folks. It's almost we're almost there. School's almost out. The sun's shining. Got hot weather. We're heading to the pool. You know, hopefully, you know, for some of you young bucks out there, you're you're macking at the pool. Okay, being you know, you're perusing, you know, to have some fun. Okay, let's just leave it there. Um, <laughs> if you're looking to remodel your pool, resurface, or even put in a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. That's Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling. They serve Orange County in the Southland. They're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So head on over there. Jayhawkpools.com, take a look at their work. On their website, you can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by their past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, call Jayhawk. Give them a call at 714-695-0700. Again, at 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, I can't say this enough. This is a great opportunity to support our podcast. These folks are keeping our lights on for us, helping us be able to grow this show and, and provide you guys with content that it talk you know, Rams football and everything that goes with it. Okay. So if you can, if, you, if you're looking to do these things, give them a call and help out this family. Uh, Jay Hawk is part of the Rams family. So there you go. Amen. You'll be glad you called him. All right. So before we close here, before we close our last thoughts on the Rams, um, going back to that conversation, he mentioned Brandon Cook's, uh, how do you feel about Brandon Cooks after, you know, all that? Well, him saying he doesn't play like Tavon Austin was definitely encouraging. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing that will be different between Cooks and Watkins is Cooks, obviously a great player. He doesn't have much of a red zone presence in terms of being able to go get a ball, as David mentioned. And one thing, say what we want about Sammy Watkins. He scored eight touchdowns last year. That's pretty solid for a receiver. That'll be missed. I know most of them were on big plays, but uh, I hope Cooks can reproduce that. But I was never worried about Cooks. I think he is a better fit overall for the offense. He seems much more of like a fit, play-to-the-system guy. I think he's going to go for 1,000 yards, be the second Rams receiver in a decade to do it. I'm excited about Cooks. I'm fine with giving up the pick. I've been fine with picking there too, but Cooks Cooks is great. This is a win now team. I, no no red flags raised from that. I think he's going to fit in fit right in. Well, what I took from that conversation was it was two really good football players, Michael Thomas and and our boy now, our Mr. Cooks. Yep. And you know, you both want to be the guy and only one of you can be the guy in that role. And in the end, it didn't work out. And, and it really just didn't work out because he wasn't a fit there. And, then, you know, that happens. And some of the Christians we've heard about Cooks is, well, he's on his third team in how many years? You know, only certain teams have the kind of offense that he's going to fit in. Well, guess what? What he does, going, you know, run that fly, going deep, uh, vertical running, so on and so forth, that's exactly what the Rams need. That's what they need in their offense. And that's what they were missing at times last year. If you want to know that Rams offense, which was very good, when it bogged down, it bogged down because they couldn't stretch the field. They couldn't get the ball to Sammy Watkins. And so you, now you have that guy who will fit that role. He has a, you know, a full offseason with them. You have all of minicamp, training camp, all that jazz. And to me, there's no excuses here for the Rams offense that, that when they finally had that deep threat to make it work. If it works, this Rams offense is better next year. Not worse, not the same, better. Yeah, definitely. Because even though Watkins had an impact when he got the ball and when he didn't have it, as we've we've discussed many times, and judging by Rams Twitter, I don't think they want us to get go into a deep dive on Sammy Watkins right now. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, I think Cooks he's he's a different player than Watkins. Purely talent wise, I think they're on the same level, but I think Cooks is a much more polished football player. He's proved it more at the pro level on two different teams. And I, I'm excited to have him, and I think he will make the offense better. And I think as long as Goff makes, keeps making strides, this offense should definitely improve. Todd Gurley's numbers might take a slight dip because of just how insane they were last year, but he's mm-hmm. 
I don't think he's going to slump. I think he's still going to be just as great, even if the stats aren't as flashy. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of walk-ins, I know f- some folks are over. I we're over, by the way. We don't we don't want any more of this walking discussion. So, uh, just here tonight when we taped, we worked. We we've been uh, doing some mass recordings for the podcast to make sure we give you guys content and also go on vacation ourselves. We could really use it. So, um, the podcast door and I taped the other night. We actually do talk about walk-ins. We kind of put our nail in the coffin on the situation. We're not going to talk about it again, but we do finally just say, listen. This is what we saw. These were the issues. These were the strengths. This is what really happened from our side of film. And we'll leave it at that and move on. And we're now in the Cooks the Cooks saga now. And hopefully Cooks does well and he's around for a long time. I agree. And I would love to lock him up after this season. We'll see what happens. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, folks. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Folks, I do want you to be aware that the – uh, Facebook uh, algorithms have really, really hurt our numbers on the Facebook page. So do us a favor. If you follow us, if you want to get ourselves really easy, you can do two things. Join the Rams Talk room. That's our group within the page that allows us to share stuff with you. Or if you go under your news feed, under preferences, you can choose Rams Talk to still be one of your preferences and still get our posts whenever we get them. And trust me, we don't post all that much except for our Rams games, day, Ram game days. So we're not going to spam you to death i promise but we could really use your support in those areas other areas where if you really enjoy the show that five-star review hooks us up you know it's just about getting out there one of the things the reason why i built our site is we wanted to connect with the fans we want to bring the fans together not a lot of people have covered the rams well over the years i'm serious this is not and this is not a crack on those who cover the rams now i'm saying overall rams media in the past and tell me if i'm wrong steve tell me if i'm wrong in the last 15 years, it's been subpar. This is a legacy franchise, folks. We're here to cover this team. So do us a favor. If you could, follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you could give us a review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate that. Five-star review really helps us out. Subscribe on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM. IE Beat Radio plays us. We're on their, we're on their show uh, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, also on Saturday and Sunday. And, we, you know, we just appreciate the support. We are a growing... A growing company, and uh, with that in mind also, if you're looking to write about the Rams this season, we, you know, we have people who are moving out of the writing role and into the podcasting role, so we need writers. And we need podcasters too, for that matter. So head on over um, to your email. Send us, one, send us an email at ramstalk1945. If you want to be on our staff writing for the 2018 season, we'll be glad to have you. Hey, can I give a quick parting take? Because well, listen, man, if this is Austin Davis, no, I wish, I wish. Uh, okay. Um, I know you guys already did the Bucks, and he brought up Jameis Winston, a guy who I was high on coming out of college. Uh, we don't even have to talk about this, but I just want to get it out to our Ram Ramley out here because I mentioned it on podcast and on Twitter. I think Jameis Winston is the new Eli Manning. Whether that's a compliment or an insult, take it as you will. But he's the new Eli. In so many ways, I think. So many ways. Well, I think we'll need to have a conversation about that on a later podcast. So I'm not even sure what entirely you mean. I mean, so. my, quickly, I mean, sometimes you're watching this guy play and he looks like that undefeated Heisman winner, number one overall pick, just looks like a guy that could just run into two Super Bowl MVPs. And then he looks – sometimes you watch him play and you just are wondering how this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL and he makes some of the, the dumbest plays you've ever seen. I think it's just the level of variance from his peak to his floor, like Eli Manning, is staggering. Well, the Eli Manning comparison may not fit, though. A lot of the reasons why Eli Manning makes some of the plays he makes is because he has, at times throughout his career, had, like, no offensive line in front of him. And he's running for his life trying to do something. Jameis Winston yeah. has had at least some form of an offensive line there. I'm just going to – that's just my take on it. Yeah. I, I'm saying more in terms of how inconsistent they are, but that's true. how good Man. they look at times. But, you know, Eli does have two Super Bowl rings. That's what I'm saying. I think Jameis is young. You never know what will happen. All right. So before – because Steve and I can talk football all night. So before we go into our next topic, we've already said our – are, are basically our goodbye. So we'll just sign off here for, for Steve Ribeiro. This is Derek C. Paul. Take it easy until next time.
episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck-on messes, and they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.